0: This is Lisa Pierce, Executive Editor of Packaging Digest with a special Earth Day 2021 episode of Packaging Possibilities, a podcast that reveals what's new and what's next for packaging executives and engineers, designers and developers. In this episode, I'll be talking with Nina Goodrich. Nina is the director of the Sustainable Packaging Coalition, the leading voice on sustainable packaging. She's also the executive director of SPC's parent, Green Blue, which is a nonprofit dedicated to the sustainable use of materials in society. Our topic today, not surprisingly, is sustainability and packaging. Nina, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Lisa. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Yes, we always do have great conversations, Nina. And um, so here we are at Earth Day 2021. And my first question is how and why is this Earth Day
1: different from some others in the past? Great. Well, thank you, Lisa, for the question. And I think, um, well, earlier this year, I had the pleasure of interviewing Dennis Hayes, the founder of Earth Day. And he spoke about how the first Earth Day was the coming together of so many different diverse groups, that there were folks that were worried about expressways or people from Ducks Unlimited or folks just interested in conservation in their town or community. And it was really the first time that they all came together and realized they shared similar elements. And then last year, which was supposed to be the 50th anniversary, of course, um, got derailed oh, oh, by,
0: over Overshadowed just a bit
1: by something called a global pandemic. Yes, but this year's a new beginning. And I think, you know, to link back to the pandemic, we've seen what a pandemic can do. And I think it's easier now to visualize what global warming can do. We've seen cleaner air, darker skies, um, things that we told ourselves could never happen, have changed. Things like working from home, not commuting. Um, For many companies that was an impossibility and all of a sudden it's possible now and and it's gonna stay with us. And I think that, Before the pandemic, folks were starting to talk about the fact that climate change is perhaps the most significant public health challenge in the world today. I know Bill Gates has said that. Gina McCarthy, the former head of the EPA, has said that. And I think it's true. I think that climate change is really going to make the pandemic um, put it in a different context Um, for a couple of reasons I, I
0: agree yep. wholeheartedly the pandemic has changed so much and um, uh, some people are rethinking some of their thoughts on main issues like
1: climate change yeah and I I think that we have to we know the business as usual is not going to work for the future and I think that part of this Earth day is about connecting to people where they are and it's also about making the invisible, visible. And I'll go back to um, a comment, maybe it was about a year ago that um, Susan Shelton did some work looking at um, consumers. And a shocking result was that they felt they could do more about plastic in the ocean than they could about climate change. And as I kind of wrestled with that, it was really about the visible versus the invisible. And I, I think that Part of what we need to do today, and hopefully what Earth Day will do this time, is to try to make some of that invisible visible so that we can really connect to the fact that we can make a difference. And I don't think it's individual actions are important, but it's collective action, it's community that's really gonna make the difference. So really going back to celebrate what Dennis Hayes did in the very first Earth Day 51 years ago is creating that community from a group of diverse folks that may not agree on everything, but they do agree on this.
0: Yes, Um, first, let me say I did listen to your interview with Dennis and it was spectacular. Um, it's one of those that I, I, I want to go back and listen to it again because of his insights and not just the, the history, um, which is amazing to have somebody who was there, you know, initiate, initiating the first Earth Day, but also his uh, vision for the future, which we'll talk about your vision for the future as we as we get into this a little bit more. But um, in this uh, discussion about the invisibility and the visibility I think the pandemic really did um, bring that to the fore with a lot of consumers. Once they were working at home, maybe, you know, let's say they were in an office or just at work for more than half of their day, you know, being awake day. And so the garbage that they would throw away at work was invisible. They come home and start working at home. And all of a sudden, a hundred percent of their garbage is visible to them. And I think that was a big wake up call for quite a few people on goodness. Uh, we have a lot of garbage. Why are we recycling more? Let's recycle more. Um, I have to say I'm guilty of that. That was me. That was one <laughs> of those people was me. Um, so yes, I can see the very, um, very visibly this this discussion about invisible and visible. So um, that's a a good insight. Um, If we take a little bit of a step back and look at the broader picture as you're talking about climate change, um, President Biden has returned the U.S. to the Paris Climate Agreement And um, what do you think that's going to mean for sustainability in general moving forward? And then very specifically, what might that also mean for packaging sustainability?
1: Well, I think, you know, it's it's okay again, to be in favor of sustainability and to be an environmentalist. So that certainly helps. But I think and this is something that, uh, again, that Dennis Hayes pointed out in our conversation is there's a huge difference between a national issue and a global issue. And the climate is a global issue. And we're not very good as a society at addressing global issues because um, on a national issue, you just pass a law and you're good to go. <laughs> but on a global issue, it's much more difficult to gain that agreement from so many different parties with so many different agendas. And so I think that um, that's part of what President Biden returning to the U.S. Paris Climate Agreement will do is to hopefully help us participate in that global conversation. But also I think that he's proven that he's willing to sort of invest in a whole variety of different areas that he's linking to climate change. And I think that in in some ways his challenge on the Southern border is a climate issue. That's climate migration. Um, That's folks leaving regions of the world that are significantly affected by their ability to make a living due to climate and the dry zone in South America. So it is driven not only just by our normal socioeconomic factors, it's also driven by climate change. It's the start of seeing how climate is going to displace people, how climate is going to change consumption. So I think that um, in in many ways, we're in good hands because he seems to get all the the elements that go into this climate issue because it's such a big deal. So that's kind of the macro picture. And when I talk about sustainable packaging, I always like to think about it in the context of climate. So why are we doing this? We're doing it from the perspective of litter. We definitely don't want litter in the ocean or litter on land. We want to recover materials so that we can reuse them as manufacturing inputs. But when we do that, we also hopefully want to have an impact on climate. And so the idea is that as we think through how we're going to collect materials, how we're going to reprocess those materials, how we're going to reuse them um, in new ways. The In my mind, the thing that sits on top, our North Star, is always going to be climate. Um, so I think that that is driving how we start to think about sustainability and, and packaging. I do think that we're going to need newer technologies, things like chemical recycling. I think that it is absolutely impossible to think that we can do everything mechanically, especially when you look at at food contact. I also think that this concept of having to have something go back into what it was before, that that leads us down the wrong path because we ultimately, we really need robust markets. We we know that um, a single market can be a disaster when it goes up and down. Whereas with something like PET, We have not only bottles, but we have fiber with glass. We have, you know, we have bottles, but we also have fiberglass. So and and metals easily become many different types of of things. So they're not dependent on any, any one market. And so as we think about chemically recycling other types of plastics, the idea that they can become industrial building blocks for a whole range of different types of materials should be a good thing. Not a bad thing. Yes. And
0: Nina, you've been talking about that um, not uh, being limited to the bottle going back into a bottle. You've been talking about that for years and years now, um, at least that I know of. Um, You know, it's kind of interesting. I'm going to go back just a little bit to your comment about um, climate or or, um, the displaced people being part of the climate issue. And I had never thought of it that way, but it is easy to see the progression of that if you even just remember that in the United States, from a uh, retirement point of view, we've had had that exodus to the sunbelt. And you know, that was not necessarily a, a jobs issue, um, but it was a lifestyle issue. And, um, you know, the whole idea of people needing to get jobs, of course, you've got to make a living. And if you can't make a living where you're at because of certain things that are happening from a climate point of view, it just makes sense that you're going to leave and go somewhere where you could make a living. So um, that's a very interesting perspective. And I'm going to think on that one (laughs) just a little bit more. I will. Um, but going back again to President Biden um, entering back into the, the uh, agreement, I, I think to myself, though, Nina, I mean, it's a, a, a step in the right direction from an environmental point of view. But I have to say that over the last several years, I was very heartened to see a lot of companies, a lot of other organizations and companies still coming together to um, hit certain goals. I wanna say over the last couple of years, and and wouldn't you agree that it was one of the most active from corporations setting sustainability goals, was it not?
1: It is, and I think that voluntary goals, there's absolutely a huge place for voluntary goals. And many of our corporations um, have substantial influence and and capital to actually execute changes and make those changes and of the companies that have stepped up and done that it's amazing and the change they're creating is enormous but there's a lot of companies that are silent um so you think of the top 100 that are always committing to to making these changes for every 100 or 200 that are progressive there's a bunch that are just kind of riding along, and I think that from that perspective, we do need help. Um, it's it's not. Um, I, I think of you know, SPC has the goals database, and we've worked in the past on on talking about some of the things that are in the goals database, and there are some wonderful goals in that database, but a lot less than you would think. Um, So, while I agree with you that voluntary commitments and companies stepping up in that massive vacuum of the last four years was so heartening and wonderful to see, I think we need everybody working together. Back to that sense of community, that we need help from the government to do this correctly. And I think some of the incentives that um, Biden has put in place for electrification. Um, thinking about climate change and thinking about electricity, if we green the grid and then move our cars, our stoves, our houses, our heating, all to that green grid, that makes a massive impact. But that would be so hard to just do on our own. So I think there are things that can be done in a voluntary way, and that certainly helps get things going, but it also to have the heft of the government working with us on these things is definitely going to accelerate our ability to make a change.
0: Okay, I'm going to look at that as um, over the last uh, several years, the voluntary commitments have been, like you say, that help, and I'm putting that word help in, in air quotes right now, and then um, maybe the government getting involved. That's the kick in the butt but the
1: rest of <laughs> the week. I I was being polite, but yes. Um, And it sets a level playing field. It means that for those companies that have been investing and are doing the right thing, they're not getting punished for it. And so I think any time we can have incentives or carrots or nudges um, to push people in the right direction, I think that is absolutely helpful.
0: It's interesting that you use that word carrot. I was listening to another uh, webinar yesterday about some supply chain. Um, oh, what was the word that they used? It was so appropriate. Um, you know, challenges, but they used to, uh, fragilities um, in the supply chain that the pandemic brought out, not to get off topic, but um, the one speaker had mentioned that, um, you know, it is, you um, uh, oh, I've lost my train of thought on that. What was that word that I w- I pointed out,
1: Nina? Uh, fragility of the supply chain? Fragility, yes. Carrots? And, we were the carrot, carrots. thank
0: you. <laughs> that, that's the word I was going back from. And his comment was that um, from the supply chain point of view, with some of the tariffs that we've had over the last couple of years, that it was all stick and no carrot. And I thought, wow, what a, what a way of phrasing that to where you immediately understand it. And, um, you know, that's the power of language. So that brings me to my, another kind of follow-up question with you in talking about climate change, um, you know, sustainability has so many areas that you can focus on, but in looking at the bigger picture of climate change, I've been hearing a lot more about companies measuring carbon, um, not just from a packaging point of view, but, you know, in general, um, life cycle analysis and and things like that. But from a packaging specifically point of view, Nina, is carbon measurement the way that you think we're going
1: to make some advancements in the next couple of years? I think it's, it's definitely important to understand carbon directionally, and um, I think that um, a lot of folks have used life cycle analyses to try to understand their carbon or energy impact translates to carbon, mm-hmm. as well as water and, and many other types of, of indicators, but um, I think that you can't use that alone. Um, and, for, for good reason. So so carbon is important, but when we also think about packaging, packaging is hard to do a job. So what's the job we're hiring packaging to do? It's being hired to protect the product, to be in a form that we can use it when we're ready to use it. So if there's damage or if there's shelf life issues associated with, with the product, the footprint of the product is almost always, not 100%, but almost always so much bigger. So the carbon Bodied carbon in the actual product that's being packaged. So I think we have to look at them as a system and we typically don't do that. Um, so, you know, think of something like shelf-stable milk versus milk in the refrigerator. You have a packaging component, you have the milk, but in one case, you've also got refrigeration, in the other case, you've got shelf-stable distribution. So there's a carbon component to both of those choices. One might have a more recyclable package than the other, um, but all those things have to be taken into consideration because in, in the, if you're gonna be measuring carbon, it's the carbon of the milk that really has the significant impact, um, right. not the impact of the, the package. Not to say that they're not both important, they are, but um, we should never optimize the package to the detriment of the product that's inside. So when we're starting to look at carbon, we need to look at the carbon in the system, which would include the transportation, the processing for, um, is it frozen? Is it refrigerated? Is it retorted? Um, Is it dried? As well as the carbon of the, the product itself and the package and try to understand the systems and understand which systems are making a bigger impact. Um, that That's just how I look at it. So, yes, carbon is really important to understand. But to argue, you know, paper versus plastic in one specific instance is missing the broader picture of what's inside it. How's it being transported? How is it shelf stable? Those sorts of things, I think, are all important to be part of that conversation.
0: Okay. um, Noted. Thank you. And um, I think that a lot of companies are doing that, at least the, and I shouldn't say just major companies, because there are some entrepreneurial companies that are very up on um, having the packaging department kind of answer to a sustainability Mm -hmm. area in the company. Um, It used to be for some companies that sustainability for the company kind of sat with the packaging department. And I think most major companies now have a sustainability department that packaging feeds into, um, which is a little bit of a a difference over the last, you know, and I'm not saying just the last couple of years, this is going on for more than a decade. So,
1: Um, but yeah, that um, I could see that helping as well, very much so. I think, Lisa, if I could just build on that for one second, I do think in our goals project, we did see that many companies actually have carbon goals related to their facilities, to their buildings, to transportation, other aspects of the company. Not that many actually linked that to packaging yet. But hopefully, (laughs) hopefully that's coming. Yeah, we may see
0: that coming, um, moving forward, and it may have to do with uh, the resources that certain companies have. I know that um, we we uh, had the opportunity to talk with the folks at Tetra Pak, the largest food packaging company in the world, and um, they very much m- use carbon as their measurement. So maybe this is uh, something that'll catch on and and come along a little bit more. Wonderful, well, so many topics that we're gonna talk about. Let's finish with maybe an easy one, a fun one. Um, So what plans does SPC have for this uh, Earth Day 2021 event?
1: Well, um, it's very exciting. We have over a 1,000 attendees. Um, The pandemic has certainly broadened our audience, Um, so more folks get to attend and participate, which I think is nice that maybe teams are participating together where they can discuss some of the important topics. We have over 40 sessions and 100 speakers uh, planned. Um, But one of the most exciting aspects of this conference, um, and and as usual, Barbara Fowler has outdone herself in in planning and putting this event together. She's amazing. She is. And um, we have started a book club. And the book that we're reading, if if I'm allowed to share it with you, is this book. It's called All We Can Save. And it was um, put together. It's a series of essays by women. Um, on truth, courage, and solutions for the climate crisis. It's edited by Ayana Elizabeth Johnson and Catherine Wilkinson. Now, Catherine also works at Project Drawdown, um, which is looking at the different ways that we can take carbon um, out of the atmosphere, and looking at different sections of our society and what type of carbon it's responsible for, and and how we might be able to get to get rid of that. So the two of them have curated this this book and we're having um, book club conversations. So the book was sent out to all the people that would like to, to learn about our climate crisis. And um, we're having curated conversations about the book and I have the opportunity to interview um, one of the authors. Um, so I have been studying this book and it has Lisa turned me into a climate warrior. Um, If I wasn't before, (laughs) I think you were a little bit. (laughs) It has absolutely accelerated this idea that this is so important. It is such a big issue um, for us, especially on this 51st Earth Day, that um, it just listening to these diverse voices in poetry and art. And part of the book is about the language that we use. That doom and gloom is not helpful. Um, And it's overwhelming and it can make us just not know where to start to just get sort of blocked. And so this book is about reframing and revisualizing and prioritizing and persisting. And um, so from that perspective, it's been wonderful in the context of Earth Day to be reading this book and thinking about these voices that are, are helping to create a community around what we're going to do next. So that is very new for us at the SPC, and I just love it. Okay,
0: and just repeating, the book again is All We Can Save. Yes. Okay, excellent. Um, Nina, as we finish up here, tell us a little bit more about the conference and how our audience can learn a little bit more about it, the topics that you're going to be covering and the speakers and um, maybe even how to register.
1: Ah, so um, this conference um, is an open event, so anybody can register. Uh, The registration link is on our SPC website. Okay, and sustainablepackaging.org yes. for people who might need that. Thank you. And the topics range absolutely across the board, Lisa. So it we're going to be having some sessions on policy, which is on folks' minds these days. So everything um, to do with all of the discussions at the state level and at the national level around policy and and what policy may um, or may not be able to to help us do. We're going to have material-specific sessions in areas such as uh, plastics and paper and compostable materials, biomaterials. We're going to have tours. Um, There are um, tours of facilities, which again, because of the pandemic we are able to visit facilities that we might not ever be able to visit um in the actual person so um i think those are going to be interesting uh four concerts as part of our session so that's a little bit different uh, fun 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 <laughs> yeah i would say that all all 40 sessions and 100 speakers are um Listed on our website, that would be the very best place to um, to get more information. You can still register, um, and we're very excited about um, this event. Okay,
0: and um, just so our audience can find it very easily, it's SPC Impact 2021, uh, front and center on the uh, the website and the events um, area, and uh, spectacular agenda. Spectacular. Nina, thank you so much for talking, you know, big picture all the way down to what really matters to the folks in packaging sustainability. Um, always a pleasure speaking with you. Can't wait to see you in person, though, sometime soon. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And thank you, Lisa, for inviting me to have this conversation with you today. Um, I really appreciate it.
0: Okay, my pleasure. Talk to you soon.
1: Bye-bye.